Good day to you, brothers, sisters, friends, and new faces. Today, today is May 5th, and today we're going to be talking about part four in our series of the Corrupt Discourse. And today we're going to talk about the need and the goal of face-to-face communication. Our first scripture will be Genesis 2-7, and as usual, we'll have several other scriptures that we will reference and read today, and we'll put those in the comment section. So Jim, let's talk about the corrupt discourse. Right. The current event we've been looking at has been the corrupt discourse on social media. We're sort of segueing now, and we'll go into a, a part two on the next podcast after this, on the technology that enables such communications. So we think of Facebook, where you can do the texting and the narration, and you have pictures, etc. Of that. food, mostly. Yeah, <laughs> of dogs and cats. <laughs> But we want to look at the technology that uh, undergirds that and see what the Bible says about technology of communication and how we are to ultimately be face-to-face in communication. And that's the ultimate goal. That's the Christian expectation, face-to-face, both horizontal, that is between we who are people, humans, and vertical, between ourselves and God. So let's begin. The vertical aspect actually starts in Genesis, where a lot of things start. God creates Adam face to face, and Randy's going to read from Genesis 2-7. And Genesis 2-7 tells us, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. All right, he breathed into his nostrils, meaning God's face was over his face. That's the picture given to us. Now, we can discuss all the ins and outs about the spiritual aspects of God. He's a spirit and he doesn't have bodily parts. But nonetheless, the image given us is very important. He comes over the body that he's created of Adam and gives him the spirit, the breath that goes into Adam's nostrils and he becomes a living being. Like the image of uh, CPR almost. Just about, exactly. Yeah. This image of God being over the body of Adam, and especially face-to-face to to breathe directly into his nostrils, we see later on in 1 Kings 17.22 with the prophet Elijah. So, Randy's going to read that. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times, And cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. Right, three times he cried out in the mouth of two or three witnesses, Law of Moses, it shall be established. And so Elijah emulates the original image we have from Genesis of God giving life to the first human being by stretching his body over the body of the Son. Later in 2 Kings 4, we see the protege of Elijah, Elisha, does the same exact thing. And then we go to the New Testament in Acts chapter 20. 
Paul was preaching a long time and a young fellow named Eutychus is in the window on the third floor up where Paul and the people have gathered. And he falls asleep because Paul preaches on the midnight. <laughs> it was Paul's fault. It was Paul's fault. Yeah. <laughs> and the young man falls out of the window and is dead, says Luke. I mean, the statement is very clear. He is dead. But Paul goes down and, and grabs him, holds him, embraces him. Basically the same thing we see in Elisha, Elijah, and God with Adam. And the young man comes back to life. So this is how life is generated. Life is generated face to face the breath from the one being to another. So let's take a look at our quote here, which is an interesting quote from Picasso, because we're going to take a look now at the human face, having seen that the ultimate goal is face to face with God. Uh, we're going to segue soon into the horizontal aspects of our own faces, but here's a quote from Picasso. Who sees the human face correctly? The photographer, the mirror, or the painter? Now, I'm sure if Mr. Picasso was here, he would say, well, it's the, it's the painter. Obviously. Yes, it's yes. a painter. But let's begin with the first time a face is read, a face is seen and interpreted correctly, and that's in Genesis chapter 4 with the story of Cain, verses 3 through 7a. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Amen. So God, who created Adam face to face, and this pattern is reduplicated uh by Elijah, Elisha, and Paul, we see here that God who creates the face, gives life through the face, understands faces. So he sees Cain's face, and it's interesting, he says, your face is fallen. Mm. Uh, it's interesting because we still do that as human beings. When something is bothering us or we're depressed, we tend to hang our head. Mm. When something wonderful happens, we tend to move our face upward. You hear that? Your countenance is downcast. You're, you're downcast, right. yeah. yes. Yeah. And, of course, sometimes uh, we see Cain had lots of anger because he kills his brother. And sometimes a downcast face, depression, can be an indication of bad things to come. Well, that's God reading the human face. But we, too, as human beings, learn to read faces. Now, here's just one quote. We won't dwell on it, but it's from Proverbs 16, verse 30. Whoever winks his eyes plans dishonest things. He who purses his lips brings evil to pass. That is right. And sometimes just a glimpse of a face for a second or two will give us more communication about what's going on than the words that might have come from that person's face had we stopped to ask them, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. You can tell when you're in a room full of people uh, or even you. I mean, you can when you're preaching, yes. you look out and uh, you can see that when somebody's not taking it well. <laughs> exactly. Yes. One always does that as a preacher. Uh, this past Sunday, I was uh, blessed to be uh, preaching and I could see some faces who were actually uplifted and were indeed in, in sync with me. Uh, other faces, maybe not so much. Maybe what you talking about, Willis. They, they had to, yeah. <laughs> well, what are you talking about, Willis? Well, here's what St. Jerome, one of the early church fathers, says about this. He says, the face is the mirror of the mind and eyes without speaking confess the secrets of the heart. Mm. And true words are never spoken. Mm -hmm. So both God and people read faces. 
And it's important to read faces. But before we get more into that, let's take a look at the following. What is the importance of face-to-face? -face? I mean, the phrase is used. Now, some Bible translations will just say they're there in person. But if you always go back to the Greek of Hebrew, which is why we're using one version that does that, the ESV, it's always face-to-face. -face. Listen to this about Moses and this whole matter of vertically, now we're talking about vertically, dealing with God face-to-face. -face. And this is from Numbers chapter 12, verses 5 through 9. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. And he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my service, Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. Yep, and of course we know Miriam ends up with leprosy, but Moses intercedes and she's cured. The importance of face-to-face. -face. Uh, later on, when Moses passed on in Deuteronomy chapter 34, uh, the writer notes that there was no one before or after Moses, who was like Moses, who spoke to God as no one else did, face to face. Hmm. Now, it's good to get uh, a vision and a dream. Those things still happen. But this face to face is without an interface. What we have on Facebook, of course, is not face to face. It's technology that enter is an interface between our faces. So gives the illusion of face. Gives the illusion face. of face, yes. So Moses was honored because he got to meet with God face to face. And that meant that the communication, and this is important here, it's not going to be a riddle where you don't know what's going on. It's not going to be a vision where you need interpretation or a dream that you don't understand. What God is saying is, Moses understood me clearly, and I understood because it was face to face. Mm. So the goal then with we who are Christians is to be able to, in fact, have communication with God face to face. Let's look at one. Of, this is one of many scriptures we could use. We're just picking out some that I think that are maybe more familiar. Psalm 17, verse 15, David. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. There you go. I will behold your face. I'll be satisfied with your likeness. That's what, as he comes out of sleep, and of course that's fulfilled in Christ, fulfilled in the resurrection when the Lord returns. Face to face. That was the desire, and that's the goal always, of communication with God. Now, there's a bad communication. Revelation chapter 6, when the sixth seal is open, uh, the Lamb and God are on the throne, and all the, the wicked people of the earth look up and say, we cannot stand the face of the Lamb, the wrath of the Lamb. Who can stand before his face? Mm. That's a face we don't want to see. We want to have a face that is, of course, kindly and merciful toward us. Here's how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Yes, and the aspect of knowing and being fully known, and one day I will fully know, is parallel with face to face. That brings immediate knowledge, and that is true horizontally, it's true vertically, especially true vertically here, as Paul is alluding to the return of Jesus, and uh, we will see him. In 1 John chapter 3, John says, When he appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Mm. Now, this means, of course, 
God himself in his triune being uh, does not have, as we understand it, a face. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul, as he's winding up that chapter, says that God is the only one who's immortal, meaning he has no beginning, no end, and he dwells in light unapproachable, whom no one can see, has seen, or will ever see, hmm. which means that that's what God is. We'll never, God is God, we cannot comprehend God fully, and that's how Paul expresses it. But when God appears to us, as we'll see a little later here in the book of Revelation, he puts on a face that we can see him, just as Moses beheld the form of God. And that's an accommodation, but it's an accommodation that says if God accommodates, what kind of face will he have? That's the face of God. That's mm. what we want to see. Mm -hmm. So face-to-face -face brings a dimension to communication that verbal communication alone cannot. So what we want to do now is take a look at the technology of communication. And this is, I've always found this very interesting. We're going to take a look at what it is to have technology in the book of Genesis, which is the beginning of all technology. So Randy's going to read Genesis 126 and verse 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 28 says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. All right. Dominion means Adam and Eve will begin using technology. If you have dominion over the fish, that means you have to have ways to bring them out of the water. Dominion over animals, you have to have ways of dealing with them. If you're going to be in a garden and expand that garden outward from Eden, that means you're going to be planting. So you have to learn tools and all those things. We don't know how to come about, but anytime you take a stick and stick it in the ground, poke a hole and drop a seed, that's technology, mm. no matter how simple and crude it is. So dominion means the use of technology. And what we're concerned with in this podcast is the dominion with the technology of communication. Now, what happens here, of course, is because man sins, instead of going forth and have dominion over creation, the animals... Man goes forth and sin to have dominion over other people. And mm -hmm. this is the origination of wars. So it's kind of a double bind. We're told to go over and have dominion of the earth, but when sin comes in, that impacts our dominion aspirations. And we've had wars from the beginning and will till Jesus returns. But for we who are Christian, it means that we need to have stewardship over our technology. If we have stewardship over technology, we will have a certain kind of freedom we wouldn't have otherwise. As surely as Adam and Eve had to learn technology to have dominion over the original creation. But if we let technology take over us, we become a slave to it, which is a form of idolatry. We lose freedom. Mm. It's like people who you know wake up and their their smartphone is still attached to their ear. Yeah, and they go through the yeah. day that way. So there's a thing called FOMO. It's a real thing. Fear of missing fear out. Fear of missing out. And exactly. people can't live without their phones. They gotta have yeah. their technology. Yeah. The Bible uh, does not condemn the use of technology, but it does condemn technology when God is not taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. So um, Randy's going to read uh, two passages: one from Psalm 20, verse 7, and then Isaiah 31, 1. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Isaiah says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots, because they are many, and in horsemen, because they are very strong. But do not look, 
to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. Yes, uh, God often blessed Israel when they were trusting the Lord with their particular own technology in a war or in a battle, you know, with the sword and the shield and chariots and those. But when it gets to the point where you think you must have the technology mm. and God is not in the picture, this is condemned. So we need to have stewardship over our technology. That's the only place where we really have the freedom to enjoy the use of technology. Reminds me of the $6 million man beginning. We have the technology. We can rebuild him. We can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the mu slow music starts, slow motion yeah. production. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's take a look at the technology of communication in the Bible. And I found, when I stumbled upon this uh, decades ago, I, I found the whole study of it interesting. Uh, the technology of communication around 90 AD, that's when 2 John and 3 John were written. Randy is going to read a passage from 2 John 1.12. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. There you go. One of the, re the technology of the day for John was a piece of paper and a pen and some ink. And they say, well, that's not technology. Well, of course it is. You're manipulating an instrument. You're making signs on paper. And, you know, using a computer is just an upgrade from that. And they say, well, there's no Instagram. But they had seals and wax and yeah. people's portraits and pictures they could put on there if they wanted to and all of that. What John is saying is there's, a, there's an aspect of vital joy that can only be had in communications face to face. We miss that when we resort to text or or email it's just it's a shame we miss out on so much opportunity and that becomes a substitute then yeah for doing face to face and although face to face may be a little more difficult to achieve at times the rewards as we look through these scriptures are far more lasting than just the mere technology that would use some form of communication and third john chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 john again brings this up with another letter i had much to write to you but I'd rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Exactly. There's something about the presence of one another and the presence of each other, and that expression comes through the face to the other face and face to face. It's immediate. Hmm. That's an immediacy that cannot be had by technology because even in technology you have delays. And I know we're thinking about sending people to the Mars, but I don't think they'll be doing... Uh, Face FaceTime <laughs> on Mars because of the, the long time you got to right. wait for a communication, uh, which tells us again, face-to-face -face is, there's no substitute for it. It is the top way of communication. So there's also the matter of the tone that we have face-to-face -face that can be picked up, whereas if you've ever done things on email and meant one thing and someone come back with an angry response and oh, you didn't yeah. mean that, yeah. It's because it wasn't face-to-face. -face. They couldn't pick up on the signals. Yeah. Here's a quote from, <laughs> I like this guy, Simon Cowell. We know him from American Idol and uh, America's Got Talent. And you can just see him saying this. My attitude is, if someone's going to criticize me, tell me to my face. <laughs> tell me to my face. Exactly. And with that in mind, let's see a face-to-face, -face, a face-off, literally, mm. between Paul and Peter from Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain man came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. 
and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray in their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Okay, first of all, you can see where Paul expressing that in a letter, it would lose some of its oh, yeah. dynamism, its immediacy, its importance. Yeah. It had to be face-to-face, and that's the whole point that Paul is making. This had to be done face-to-face then in the moment. It was the New Testament face-off, though not with Nicolas Cage and, and, uh, John, and, Travolta. and John Travolta, <laughs> yeah. but with Peter and Paul. With Peter yeah. and Paul, exactly, exactly. So there, there's the tone. And we see Paul again in the same letter, Galatians chapter 4, verses 16 through 20, uh, dealing with how he wished he could be with them and the, their immediacy and in, in in their presence and they could be in his. But he, just listen to what he says, Galatians 4, 16 through 20. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Yes, uh, all the previous chapters leading up to this, as well as the verses in chapter 4, are about the Galatians leaving the faith. And so Paul says, I'm perplexed. I wish I could be with you so I could change my tone. And that's why I said there's something about the immediacy of face-to-face that really helps communicate effectively in a way that you can be misunderstood on text, on, on paper, on email, or, or whatever. There's a, we recently built a, a corporate office where, I'm, where I work and uh, getting everybody back in the office post-COVID. And it's such a different dynamic when you have everyone in the same room around a whiteboard. You just can't do that. And you can, you can actively interrupt each other, yes. you know, and build on the thoughts yes. that you just can't do yeah. remotely. The ignition of one thought igniting another can only happen face-to-face. Yeah. It doesn't happen with the delay on email right. uh, and even text because you may not get the text for an hour. Who knows with the, our, some of our disruptions. Yeah. So I found this um, quote here. This is from Rian Johnson. If you want to know who he is, he's a Hollywood fella. He's a, a producer, director, screenwriter. Uh, he, uh, in Star Wars, The Last Jedi, he was the director and writer, and he did a lot of the episodes of Breaking Bad mm. uh, mm-hmm. uh, on AMC as a director. Here's his quote. I just don't think CGI is up to manipulating the human face yet. I feel like you can get away with it with aliens or monsters or something that's intentionally foreign, but I have yet to see anything digital to do with the human face that doesn't look just plain ridiculous. Mm. Now, that's from a guy who's in the in the field of current films. Yeah. Yeah. The human face, there is something about it that cannot be replaced. Nuances. The nuances. Yeah. And it's a form of communication. And Randy earlier mentioned preaching and teaching. Of course, in all my years of teaching, having faces in front of you is so important. But listen to what Paul says here. We got first first Thessalonians two seventeen. Let's start there. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Our desire is to see them face to face. Now, he wants to see them, and all those pronouns are in the plural. The word face is in the singular. Hmm. 
And the next one we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 is the same way. Uh, referring to the congregation as plural, but the face is singular. Every congregation has its own face. Think of your own congregation. If you had the artistry, let's go to Picasso, because this would really fit Picasso. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What kind of face would Picasso paint? Of your congregation. Of your congregation, yeah. if he were to see it. Exactly. Or if you mm -hmm. took a photograph to change the context, what would it look like, you know? So, let's go to 1 Thessalonians now, chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us, as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul wanted to supply what was lacking in their faith. He wanted to teach them more, but he wanted to do it face to face, where it will have the kind of impact that you cannot have through a letter, as he previously expressed, for instance, in Galatians. He mm. said, I wish I could be with you because I don't know I don't my, my tone. I don't know how to express myself. So face to face is so important in the matter of teaching. All the great technology in the world, all the screens in the world, all the stereophonic sounds, all the special effects cannot replace uh, one person with other people and teaching taking place face to face. And I've experienced that time and time again over the last 50 years. There's a dynamic to face to face. A lot of people who are in the music industry you go out for their concerts, do it to make more money. That's where the money is. Mm -hmm. But some people do it because of the satisfaction they want to get with their fans face-to-face. -face. Uh, I was listening to a documentary on Willie Nelson the other day, and if he has a redeeming quality, it's this. He says, i, I got to be on the road again to be with my people face-to-face. -face. i got to mm -hmm. be there so I can see them, meet with them, you know, be in their presence, personally present. Um, well, let's conclude. How important is it to have this face, to face with God? Uh, the book is necessary. At the end of the last verse of Revelation chapter 21, it says, no one can get in the holy city, the new world to come, the new earth God is going to create with, the new Jerusalem being the headquarters, unless their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So it is necessary to have your name in the book, but it's not sufficient. We got more. So as we go to the very next verse, which is chapter 22, verses 1 through 4, we hear this as Randy reads it. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Okay. This is Paradise Restored, if you have like an NIV Bible, at the top of the headings will say Paradise Restored. As it was in the beginning, Adam and Eve face-to-face -face with God. Our creation began face-to-face, -face. so in the Great Restoration, we are back this time with different faces. How important is that? We will get to see the face of God. But notice what it says, that the name of God will be in our foreheads. That means if I look at you, I'll see your forehead with God's name across the forehead. If you look at me, you'll see God's name across my forehead. What does that mean? That means 
we are owned by God. He created us. That means from the forehead down, starting with the face. That's the face that finally God has given us. Mm. The face we will have forever as we are face to face with one another and then face to face with God. Next time, we're going to take a look at the idea of face, which is in the image, part of the image of God, and the connection to narration. Because current events lately, and we've had a lot of videos come out, uh, which say seem to present one picture, then you have a narration to enforce it. How does that work in the Bible? We're going to take a look at that. It's very interesting. Well, thanks, Jim. And we have a lot to think about. And I'm sure that there are questions or comments about it. And we'd love to hear those questions and comments from you. So, please send your questions and comments to eventsandexpectations at gmail.com. That's the word events, the word and, and the word expectations at gmail.com. We'll use your question or comment on air where possible, and we will always answer you. This has been Current Events and Christian Expectations. Until next time, keep looking up.